This is the Comedy Kiosk, podcast by Monday and Munoz. Please welcome Monday and Munoz. Hello and welcome to the Comedy Kiosk, a podcast in which we discuss news, opinions and ideas about comedy. My name is Igor Monday and with me is my co-host... David Munoz. And today we are discussing what we named fishes and ponds... <laughs> Big fish, small ponds, small fish, big ponds, various size of fishes and the ponds that exist, of course, as a metaphor for market scenes of comedy and success and benefits of doing comedy on such markets. For example, uh, when David just, just told me this interesting story that he's now the big fish in this little pond. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but I would say that it's just, I get, I, I think I'm the old fish. It's not the big fish, I'm the old fish. You're the senior, the elder, the elder fish. Yeah, because I realized, like, I, I, the thing that got me was I, I went, like, I went to uh, one of our fellow comedians' uh, birthdays, Matthew, and there were a group of people there. Bless there were you. a whole bunch of new, <laughs> thank you. Uh, there was a bunch of people that uh, I, I saw there. Who like you know when I said hi to they were like oh I said what do you do how do you know Matthew he's like oh, I'm a stand-up comedian and I'm like I don't know these people like they were new comedians who who had been performing but I hadn't run into them because they were perform well because of my work I don't perform the open mics really much every so often I get invited to the showcase shows and I bring out some old material that I've done before that I haven't done in a couple of months and then I just perform it right I know they work and whatever but it's difficult for me to sh- to kind of try out new material and I've wanted to for ages and at this point I was on break so my plan was to do it but bad timing the Tuesday show the usual one that I would go to was not on for that week the week that I have off it wasn't on so I went to the old old haunt of Jim and Jack's which you know is where we we both kind of started sort of thing like we both did our regular shows originally and uh, it's kind of a well it's a it's an interesting place it's a bit rowdy at times and and you're kind of fighting people who aren't there to see stand up, but I went there, and I will say it was it was different this time. It was uh, it was really good actually. It was really great. The audience was really pumping. It was a really nice crowd, and they were all there pretty much to see us, sort of thing. At least those that weren't, they didn't go into the that section of the of the establishment. So it was like great. But the thing oh, was, sorry, the up. establishment. <laughs> well, I don't know what to call it. Did you anyway. just call that basement dump an establishment? <laughs> sure. Let's, let's think of it like nostalgia. By the end of it, we'll be calling it the palace. Sorry. All right. What, what happened in the establishment? <laughs> yes. So when I was, when I first arrived, uh, I signed up and I sat and I was writing and this, uh, this girl uh, who I met at Matthew's party very briefly, like I'd seen her there and we said, hey, once she all of a sudden looked at me and she was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, you know, I just want to try some new material. And she was like, you're going to perform. I didn't think you ever performed open mics. And I'm like, right, so she knew who I was. I obviously had like a reputation. She's like, you only do showcases, like, like, but you don't do open mics. I'm like, wait, I, uh, um, yeah, uh, true, but that's because of work. I, I'd love to though. So I did the open mic, and it went great, and and I killed it. And and you know, I had this guy come up to me later on, going, oh, I wish you know, I'd like to sit down and do a workshop with you, and blah blah. blah. I was like, yeah, all right. But it was just weird because at the time, I kind of got the feeling of. Right, I'm known as the showcase guy, so I'm good enough for that. But 
they don't expect me to show up. Like, going there, it was like the old guy. It'd be like, I don't know, it's just some old has-been showing up, you know, and you're like, oh, what are you, you're slumming it with us. And it's like, no, I, I am the slum. First of all, I don't think anyone has ever and will ever refer to you as the showcase guy. <laughs> but you, not, not that. You do you, you, do you, you, do you buddy. The, sh the showcase yeah. guy. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I understand what you mean as, as now you are potentially the most senior comedian or one of the most senior, like yeah. one of like two or three, not one of like dozens yeah. of most senior comedians on that scene. So yeah, and like, and you- Because you all left. Yeah, we moved on to better things. You, you were stuck there. Uh, but yeah, yeah like, like basically you've been doing it since what, 2015 maybe? Yeah, yeah. So yep. that's like good eight years already coming up with like yeah. a short break, uh, but still. And you know, like people showing up in the last three months, six months or something, you have good eight years on them. So obviously yeah. you're seen as this kind of like veteran senior of the of the scene. And that makes sense. But uh, I think maybe a bigger question would be like, do you feel which of these, if we talk about fishes and ponds, and if mm. we say that there is a being a big fish in a small pond, so let's call it some kind of market or scene or, or city or whatever it is where there is just, let's say, several comics, or even if there is more, you're the one that's, you know, the, the big cheese, the one that's like running shows or the one that's always getting some gigs, the one that everyone knows and, and you know, wants mm. on their show, etc., when if we say that the, the, a different kind is then something like Berlin or Barcelona, as we discussed in the previous yeah. episode and things like that, where there is like, or not to mention the actual English speaking cities and countries like London or Melbourne or mm -hmm. New York or LA, where there is like an absolute sea of comedians, right? And it's really hard to be yeah. a big fish unless you're like actually successful and you know, yeah. uh, so how do you feel at the moment? Which one you are closer to? Well, yeah, because I'm, you know, I, I, I would say my, my job keeps me away from doing it as much as I'd like, obviously, but it's, yeah, I think I'm, it's seniority. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm big, big fish because I think there are other comedians here who uh, are more trained at it and they get to, do, they do shows more frequently than I do. But definitely the seniority, the word is seniority, I think, is more about like, oh, you've been here for a long time, you know, that sort of thing. And, and yes, I've got material that I've kind of created that I, I use at showcases that I know is good. Um, so, you know, it sounds polished because it has been polished a few times, quite a few times. But, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, yeah, I guess I feel like the, the bigger fish, but I just know that if I were to go to someplace like Berlin, I would be starting to feel like, you know, on the lower, smaller size end of things, maybe like a large sardine, maybe, or a bream. Let's say an El Dorado bream sort of style fish where it's not big, but it's decent. It's a meal. You know, I think I could hold my own with some tried bits, but I wouldn't be wowing anybody. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't be walking off stage and people going, oh my God, you're amazing. I would love to do a workshop with you. I'd love to pick your brain. Like I'd probably have people go, oh, no, that was good. That was a good set. That was well done, mate. Yeah, that, that was good. That was good. And if I went to someplace like England and did my set, that'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard that joke 101 times from different people. They told differently. Obviously, it's your bit, but 
whatever. And there I would feel like an anchovy. So at the moment, salty you're, and you're, you're a sardine. You can fill someone's stomach, but you are uh, similar or same as many others in the same tin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's like right now I feel more like a, a, a hearty bream. Dorado okay. sort of style. A Dorado. But, okay, sure. Yeah, I'm like a Dorado. But if I moved to, for example, Melbourne, not Melbourne, sorry, uh, Berlin or Barcelona even, I'd probably start feeling more like a sardine. There I'd start feeling like the a decent-sized sardine, but I would be like, yeah, I'm not going to stand out like I do here, obviously. Now, that's part of the thing because, you know, as you are aware, and if maybe if the listener has been listening to consecutive episodes, uh, you might be knowing that uh, I do intend to, to leave. Uh, relatively soon. Who knows? Maybe by the time you listen to this episode, I'm actually no longer uh, in Russia. Uh, I've actually moved on. And doing that, um, I don't know what kind of scene I'm going into. Because if I go to a city, I could end up being back to being uh, a sardine. Uh, if, if I go to a big scene, like if I end up going to, to, to Barcelona, well, then I'm just a tiny little, you know, I'm back to being sardine status. On the other hand, if I go to uh, a smaller place outside of these big cities, which is possible, I could continue to be a bream, like an El Dorado, a Dorado sort of thing, but I'd be back in a small scene. And the thing is, I want to be a sardine, if you know what I mean. I, I want to be the anchovy. I I think I've kind of like, if, if I am the bream now, if I am the bigger seniority fish now, with what I have, I think, mm, no, this is sardine material. It's good, but there's many others like it. I need to push. It's like someone, for example, who plays football in, in let's say, America. I mean, soccer for the Americas listening or football. You know, you play that. Now, if, if you want to get really good at it, though, you want to go to someplace like Europe and play for a European club because... There, by being the small fish, you are going to push yourself to become a bigger fish, right? You're going to be also playing with those that you can see, admire, and see how they're playing it differently. Oh, I need to be more like that. Or for the Americans who apparently do listen to us, flip it, reverse it. You're a basketball player in Croatia. Now, sure, maybe you can make a decent living being a basketball player in Croatia. But let's face it, if you really want to become a fantastic basketball player, the place you want to be playing is in America, right? That's the place where it's, you know, it goes to a whole other level. So, and by playing there, even as a medium fish, by playing there, there's a higher chance that you're going to become a big fish because you are being, I mean, it's more competitive. So you're going to push yourself and, and you're going to, you know, you might see different tactics and things that maybe haven't made it to Croatia yet, for example. So you would like to go to a market that has like a big number of, comedians that are similar to you or even slightly better so you could then mm. rise up to the challenge and and kind of learn and grow and and develop until yeah. you reach that level or above yeah, um, yeah that, i mean you have hmm? no i just want to say that makes sense yeah yeah well you, you remember like uh when mumsy showed up right to our comedy scene in moscow now mumsy had had a different you know uh background he started in south africa he had actually done a bit more circuit there and he had performed with other uh, good comedians. And when he arrived, you know, there was a difference with his style and our style. And, 
and he was much more polished. His bits were really well thought out. He had his stage persona, I think, sorted. He knew his stage persona, had to act on stage, and he was very comfortable with it. And he seemed to flow with it a bit better. Now, he arrived, and in a short period of time, he won the Champion of Comedy, the Cock Award, as he made fun of at the very beginning of his finale set. And it won him the set because, and, and I think by him hanging around us, it forced a lot of us to kind of go, ooh, that's the next level. Like, we saw the bar there, and we were like, we need to get to there. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of uh, his stuff worked well and his like stage persona and, and confidence and uh, comfort on stage came from, I think, purely experience because he's doing it 10 plus Ooh. years and yeah. neither of us have reached that yet and especially not the, the others uh, on any of the scenes where we perform. Like well, uh, others, I mean like people that are, well, are let's say, circuit or are comrades yeah. uh, on that scene. Uh, our colleagues but yeah and then you go to a different city or a different place or you see someone doing it like 25 years and you're like my god this is like a completely different level but yeah uh, yeah i i agree with with all of that i don't really have any aspirations as well to be like the big fish in a small pond because the small pond not only it means that it's not challenging and that you're probably like gonna stagnate and and you know like stay in that same mm. place it also means that probably resources are low in terms of number of yeah. new audience members you can get number of gigs you can do a week or a month anything like money if there is any money in it uh, especially yeah. if we talk about corporate sponsorships any kind of you know like theater big theater gigs like touring anything like that tv or uh, whatever yeah. that's kind of end game for most comics some of these things so yeah being a big fish in a little pond is more it feeds your ego, I would say, but it probably doesn't feed your yeah. stomach uh, because only if you make it in the in a big pond. But uh, if we don't talk about, you know, the, the market itself, but but you, do you feel like you are, I wouldn't say above <laughs> the current scene and, and the, the circuit, but like, do you, do you feel like you've over, overgrown it, overgrew it, overgrown it? Damn, oh, damn you past participles. Uh, because for me, it's... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain why I'm asking and then I'll let you answer. Yeah. Because for me, it's like, uh, not always. And of course, if I go to a place like... Well, any kind of new place and place that has a well-developed scene, like Berlin, like Barcelona, like Paris uh, as well, like Stockholm as well, mm -hmm. Copenhagen and stuff, they have like regular shows regular english shows they have comics that are doing that city and those stages regularly weekly and you know some are better some are worse some is, someone is performing for a month someone for five years that's the difference but you know i don't see myself as being above or below i see myself as being kind of you know shoulder to shoulder uh, or whatever with with most of those comics and now that i see myself i've kind of proved it to myself as well by you know like going to Barcelona, going to do the flagship show of the comedy, the only comedy club and doing like tight 10 or tight 15 that gets great laughs, the same as their like resident comedian who's regular headliner there. So, or yeah. like in Edinburgh or in Melbourne or in, in, in Moscow or in Stockholm or wherever, like all the shows I've done, uh, I feel like I can deliver at least a good club set 
wherever I go. The only thing I would like to try and see is the States, uh, especially something like New York, just to see, like, does it hold up? Like, can I do yeah. tight 10 or tight 15 and will it work in the States? And that's my last kind of thing to prove to myself. Uh, but that's in those cases. But sometimes I do feel, and I had this feeling sometimes back in Moscow when I was still in Moscow, when I, was, when I would see these kind of new kids on the block. And sometimes I have it in some other places as well, especially if it's an open mic or something, which is made for such things, obviously. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, I've heard this joke seven million times. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, it's another, oh, I, it's another one of, oh, I just uh, misunderstood two words that sound similar in your weird language jokes. Oh, great. Well done. You know, like it's it's kind of a staple of every, especially like non-native English speaking scene. And, yeah. you know, it starts kind of blending together as well when you're when you're watching, an, I don't know, an Italian comedian performing in a different country. And he's like, oh, we Italians, people think we only like food and, and uh, women, but it's not true. We also like cars and fashion, haha, or whatever, you know, like kind of the same jokes mm. about the same stereotypes of the same countries that people come from and all this kind of stuff. And I, I also like I've tr I've started really since I firstly lost like 30, 40 percent of material when I started doing these European tours when I was still based in Moscow. But I started performing internationally and I had to right. cut a bunch of material that was too localized. That was just like, oh, this metro station, that yeah. that part of the city, this this word in Russian language, that. And I was like, that's not going to fly anywhere else. And then when yeah. I actually left Moscow, another like 50% of my material gone because I can't do those jokes anymore ever because, uh, yeah. you know, no one's going to get them. And that's why I started like kind of consciously moving away from such material. But I see mm -hmm. it so often with so many people, like especially around Europe and so on. Uh, so I do sometimes feel like, oh, my God, again, like I've seen nine years of this and I like not intentionally, but I do feel, let's say above, you know, that kind of level <laughs> and that kind of humor. And uh, as we discussed in the episode where we talked about Edinburgh and in the episode where we talked about my recent trips and stuff, once you kind of go out and see also all these different types of comedy and different like topics and genres and, and ways people perform, and then you see this like basic, like, I don't know, hack <laughs> again. You're like, Jesus, fuck, not again. So yeah. yeah, sometimes I do look at the the show or the scene or whatever, the specific group of comics, and I think, yeah, I'm better than this. Like I shouldn't be on this <laughs> show. Like I'm I'm too good for this shit. Right. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. No, for me it's it's a little bit different. Like when I see like the newer comic come along. And yeah, if I do see something around, I'm like, oh yeah. I, I like I do like seeing different people's perspective of the same joke. I don't mind that actually. As long as it's done well, uh, it, I can kind of go, okay, so that's the way you see it. But at the same time, yeah, I, I don't want to make those jokes myself. Like you, I've actually, I've started consciously, the newer material, the last two like newer sets that I've come up with, one was about technology in general and, and how we use technology, but it can be applied to anywhere in the world. I think it's just a universal experience that humanity is going through uh, using technology and WhatsApp and, and maps and, and, and GPS and all that sort of shit, right? Um, and the other one I have is about customer service, just in general at restaurants. And actually, I'm basing a lot of the information, the stories, 
based on stuff that happened to me when I was in my 20s back in Australia. So, uh, but even then, I don't even reference it. I've had people come up to me later on going, was that here in Russia? And I'm like, actually, no, that was in Australia. But the fact that you think it was in Russia, that's great because I can do this joke anywhere and people will think it's probably from that area. You know, be, oh, did that happen here? And you're like, no. But that's the thing. I am working more towards that. I'm consciously moving it like you. I'm consciously kind of trying to drop that older material for newer stuff that's a bit more universal that I can think, right, I can do this in Spain. And if I take this to France or if I take it to Berlin or whatever, I can then do that. So, um, yeah, and, and the thing is, uh, talking about that being that big fish, uh, like I, I like some of the new comedians that are coming out. And sometimes they come up with fresh ideas. I like it when they do. Like there's one guy here, Omar, who I saw him at the beginning. And, you know, in the beginning he was a bit hit and miss with stuff, but he's consistently getting better and better. And I really like his stuff. And I like the way he thinks, you know, he sometimes throws in the curveball. Uh, he goes dark or he goes inappropriate at times where you wouldn't expect it from. He's just got that innocent face that when he says something wrong, you're just like, whoa, what? It's kind of jarring, but it's great. It's that surprise factor. So he's he's doing that well. Uh, there's other people who, you know, I'm kind of seeing as well, like um, who I think have some potential. They just need to work on their, their delivery, for example, things like that. And when I hear the joke, I like being able to tell them like, you know, oh, switch this part around or, you know, uh, have you thought of maybe going in this direction maybe for the punchline or or maybe uh, shortening this part but lengthening that part? Uh, I like giving a little bit of feedback. Maybe that's the teacher in me. <laughs> I just can't help myself. And they seem quite appreciative sort of stuff. So I hope it, it, it's something that can help them out. So I've had – there's a few comedians like that as well. Uh, this girl, Tori, she's also starting. She's relatively new. And, and you know, she's, she's working on it. You can see the potential there. And you're just like, okay, if we could just get a bit more comfortable and, you know – get more finding your voice, I think it would be even better sort of thing. You know, there's potential there. So I, I like it. But the thing is, I feel like I was giving advice the other day at a workshop and the advice I was giving, I don't know, I felt a little bit like, should I be giving this advice? Because I'm not that big a fish. I, I may have seniority, but I don't, I'm not a big fish. And I'm like, I'm a sardine, really. I just look like a brim because of the scene that we're in. I'm like, but I'm, I'm a sardine. Like, come on. And, you know, it's like, I'm a sardine like all the other sardines. I'm not exceptional at this point. I'm solid. I'm a solid sardine, as you were saying. But there's a whole bunch of us in the can and sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, I want to go to that next step and stage. Because unlike you, I haven't done those tours outside. I've performed, well, my first time ever performing was in Australia. But that doesn't really count. That was me in a variety show. So there were no other comedians. It was just me doing stand-up without any other show except, like, without ever actually having seen stand-up in person myself. Like, I had never been to a stand-up club. I'd never seen a live performance of stand-up, only on TV specials, you know, like seeing Eddie Murphy do Raw and all that sort of stuff. So you're like, well, that's a polished final hour-and-a-half show. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, so there's that. The other one I did was once in Madrid. And I think that's all I've done. Like, you know, that's, I've, I've never done it outside of Russia. So I'm just, I haven't had, like, I think, like you were saying, that really is beneficial, that whole seeing other people and what they can bring to the table. Yeah, I think the good thing with you, and I think you're maybe a bit underselling yourself, because if I look at the scene you're currently in i mean i don't know what is the current state of it but i know it from what i would 
referred to as the golden days, even though yeah. even though now it might be better. I doubt it, but it might be. I don't know anything about what's going yeah. on there. But I remember like when it used to be, you know, a bunch of shows, a bunch of comics from uh, all different countries, a bunch of vis- visiting comics as well, like uh, good acts, like well-known acts and stuff that we were bringing in. And, uh, you know, uh, there was, a, let's say, a group of people that was on equal level and doing like the same level of shows and the same spots like closing the shows hosting the shows doing some kind of paid shows etc but you were always different i think not necessarily better i mean mm. uh not that yeah. you were no no, no no that's a good thing yeah but i mean we i think a lot of us were kind of similar in terms of quality but you were always different in terms of style like you were always mm. this kind of physical comedian with a lot of like body language and and physicality in it like more kind of acting out more theatrical or or something uh than actually you know just pure stand-up where you come and you're telling jokes uh and uh, not necessarily even like that like some kind of you know not all of our us stand-ups were just coming and standing behind a microphone like as you mentioned Mumsy, he was very expressive and very like as well yeah. but you have that your own style where half of the joke is the actual like acting out characters or situations mm. and if you mute you it's still funny i mean the expressions and the yeah. body language and stuff which i think even if you take it to barcelona or or, or berlin or new york or la or chicago or whatever like london etc if you improve on the quality you could still not be just a sardine because you would have that different style Mm. and i actually met a very interesting uh, australian guy in paris who was in paris if i'm not mistaken doing a clown school oh yes there's a was it uh what the hell is it called? Collier, Collier, something. Man, it's a more, very famous one. Maybe I mean, I'm, there's sure, surely there is more, and I don't know if he did that. Yeah, one. yeah, there's a couple. Uh, but uh, yeah, and and then so he's a stand-up, and he's been doing stand-up for a while, and he was like, "I'm just graduating from my clown school," and I was like, <laughs> "Clown school, loser," and he was like, <laughs> "No, no, it's like it's not really, you know, like this." white face red nose and and the wig and whatever like big shoes and a small car but it's about that expressing like 10 jokes with five words you know about like being able to play off of that physicality to use the people to use the space to use props to use uh everything except just you know set up punchline in words and he was like that expanded my stand-up act like tenfold and now I'm so more comf- so much more comfortable in doing some physical bits in stand-up and like, you know, all of that. And yeah. I was like, hmm, maybe I want to do a clown school now <laughs> because it's 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 a, such a interesting concept that can help you with your current, you know, and all these other things like improv and whatnot. I never liked improv and I never wanted to do improv, but I can always appreciate and acknowledge that it's useful for stand-up as well because you learn... As a skill. Yeah, as a skill and as a... As as just a, a way of as practice as as witness as like response in the moment as being free of written material and and reciting something word by word by just you know 
actually improvising and and all these yeah. other even theater even like other just art forms not necessarily comedy like this mime guy that i've that i that i went to see in melbourne he's a comedian but it's a uh, the guy doesn't say a single it's an hour show hour and something show the guy doesn't say a single word and it's brilliant it's brilliant and it, he doesn't have to like it's just the act and the, the show is so perfectly written and 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 directed that he doesn't like you understand everything he wants to say without him saying yeah. anything and then the stuff you don't understand is good because you question it like you leave the show and you're like what did, but what was what did he mean with that what was that bit because if he just told you he just told you so yeah, yeah. i think uh you have that special st- like different style quite i wouldn't say unique there are other people with that but mm. a different style to to most comics and i still think if you would just get maybe that extra uh international experience and different markets different yeah. scenes different stages different shows that you could really take it to another level uh but even at the moment and i would say you always have been i, I remember you coming for like the first time and your jokes were shit, but your performance was good <laughs> so yeah. i mean you were always like a performer you know like yeah, yeah. i've always seen you as like a stage ready performer so yeah. and i mean I, we hung out a bunch of times off stage and you're always a performer like we having a beer yeah. you're still like you're not performing for me but you have that you know kind of expressive yeah. manner about you and, and that aura of a performer as well so <laughs> charisma uh, also and, and stuff so yeah i think you know it's i i don't think you have to be a big fi- i think you can be a big fish in a big pond buddy if you only, all right, if you. you only seize the opportunities yeah and that's just it i just hope i get to get that opportunity because otherwise i don't want to end up like you know being too old where all of a sudden i just can't be animated i can't be expressive because my joints are too fucking sore but anyway so the thing is i think this is the thing like the the, the take-home message uh, if we if we're going to wrap this up sort of thing the take-home message would very easily be that you really need to get out there you can't just be stuck in your scene you have to see what else is there is to offer yeah i mean big big pimp big pimp big pimp in a small fond uh if you're uh, being a big fish in a small pond just means that you know it's an easy way and not necessarily maybe you're just stuck in that pond you don't have the opportunity to move so of course make the best out of your little pond own it slay you know like whatever uh do your thing and and just uh, yeah sure be the king of that pond but if you do have a chance at least even to be the king of that pond and to be the best to stay the best in that pond and to be the one that people will go and see and pay to see and book for some gigs and stuff it still i would say makes sense to go out to try other shows see how other people do it and then you can just bring some new ideas new motivation and new stuff to your little pond and maybe make mm. your little pond a better market and a better scene and yourself a better entertainer for the other fish and uh, other watery creatures that live in your pond uh, in this weird metaphor but yeah I, I would say in any case big pond small pond whatever ambition you have big fish small fish go out try different things learn from that learn from other people yeah. uh, because that's the only way you know to even to even stay the big pond in a, yeah. to, uh, to even stay the big fish in a small pond because if you don't then another someone else is going to just be the bigger fish that's very true uh and speaking uh about the clowning school um you know Stuart goldsmith who does the comedians comedians podcast 
uh, he talks a lot about clowning and things like that. He seems to have a massive respect. And there's a, I think, Dr. Brown or something he refers to. There's also that's the, that's, that's the guy. That's the guy I went to see in Melbourne, Dr. Brown. Oh, really? Yeah, yep. apparently he's amazing. He's just phenomenal. And he has done the, the clowning stuff, like at, at Goliere or whatever it's called. And uh, it's like, and they reckon it's super difficult. Like people have quit, like professional comedians, just, they haven't got it. They just can't do clowning right. And it's like, it's not as easy as you just act like a goof on stage. It's like, no, no, there's got to be purpose. There has to be intention. It's almost like you can do something. It's hilarious. And all of a sudden the, the instructor will be like, why did you do that? That makes no sense. And it's like, but that's the point of clowning. Because no, it has to make no sense with sense. Like you have to make, you have to have a purpose for doing it, for making it no sense. It's like, what the fuck? Jesus. And it's, people find it very difficult to just let go and do something organically. It's kind of all of that. But anyway, so apparently it's very difficult. So now you're, you're interested in trying out for clown school because a lot of comedians have given it a shot. They said it's helped out. Even those that have flunked it said, I still got something out of it. I mean, I would try like a, if I could, if tomorrow I would see an ad like core, like a two week course in my city, then I would go. I wouldn't like move to Paris for three months or how long this like actual school course, whatever it is, or like a whole semester or something. I don't remember lasts, and I wouldn't pay a shitload of money for it. But if there was a chance to do it somewhere here locally, uh, hopefully by someone also experienced and, you know, kind of good at, at actual clowning, I would like to give it a go, even though it's not really my, you know, like a uh, cup of tea because I don't like these things when I'm put on the spot and I'm not much Ooh. of an improviser. Like I love crowd work and I've always loved it. And I could banter with the audience for like an hour uh, without any issue without any material and that's usually the problem like i came to barcelona i had i think 12 minutes i was given a spot of 12 minutes and i was like sure i'll do my 12 minutes of best jokes i have i wrote down like seven jokes i'll do in those 12 minutes i did three because the first like five six minutes i was silly enough to go like hey who here something i asked the audience i got the answer I couldn't resist the bait as I'm a fish uh, in this <laughs> whole episode. I couldn't resist the bait. I was like, oh, really? Do you? And we just started like bantering and it got a huge laughs because people always appreciate that as well, like in the moment yeah. comedy, because they know yeah, it wasn't freshness. pre-written. It's not. Yeah. So and that went on for like five, six, six minutes and until I accidentally like saw my watch and I was like, OK, six minutes gone. Now I have six minutes for material. And I just did like yeah. first three jokes in my set without even a closer or anything. But I just had so much fun bantering and, and crowd doing crowd work, which is something I love. But this like, you know, physical kind of, okay, now pretend there's a bird here, but there isn't. Or now like pretend you're driving a car, but you're sitting on a chair. It just looks silly to me, like this kind of acting out and clowning. But I would like to try it because it's also sometimes good to just try things that you're not comfortable with, you know, maybe mm. something comes out of it. Right, yeah. Okay, what about improv then? So if not clowning, what about the improv? No, never improv. <laughs> never, no, never. No. That, there you draw the fucking line. You're like, no fucking way, mate. I might I might be a fish, but I'm not a bottom feeder. Come on. <laughs> oh, oh, Igor, such a low, low opinion of improv. Wow. Did you never like whose line is it anyway? 
But that's not, I like those little silly games. And we had like reinvented one of our games that's now getting traction. And like someone made a mobile app and stuff, which was Laika, where uh, we played this game that's similar to the game they played, like things you can't say, I don't know, at a funeral, but you can to your girlfriend or things like that. And, uh, you know, I like those little games. But when I say improv, I mean more these kind of like improv troops and the shows. Like there is this show on Netflix. What is it about? It's these two guys. Uh, I just can't remember the guy from Silicon Valley and the guy from the uh, from oh, Parks and Rec. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember what it was uh, called. I liked it, as in I was gonna watch it to watch later. I never got around to it. No, I watched like ten minutes and I couldn't. It's just so silly to me that like two grown men are just acting as kids. They're like, give us, uh, give us, uh, you know a job give us a place and you're like okay now i'm a pilot in cambodia i'm flying a plane i'm like what are you doing like this is you know it's it's ridiculous but i just it's just not for me i'm not like trying to say that improv is not for anyone it's just not for me so i just can't get into it but some other things you know like uh that can and we've talked about it i think in one of the episodes i would like to try some character comedy to create like a separate character to my standard igor monday comedian persona but like maybe even a a name and like a i don't know a look like an outfit and stuff that would then go with his kind of character and his type of comedy i would love to try that like the the guy who does the the french uh john le or whatever his name is what was his name? Lil <laughs> No, but he's he's actually British, I believe. It's, the guy's uh, actually Ma- British. Ma- Ma- Marcel Lucon. Yeah, that's it. Marcel Lucon. And he is hilarious. He's absolutely he is fucking hilarious. brilliant. And he's not even like he's he's not no French. That's it. It's all bullshit. But it's great. He's great bullshit. That's yeah. appropriation. Yeah. By that's, the way. Yeah, but it's you know nah. <laughs> But it's, it's well done appropriation, so we love it. Yeah, it's it's never appropriation if you make fun of the French. It's just good, <laughs> it's just good comedy. So um, yeah, but but yeah, I would love to try something like that. And I think that's that's the next level. That's when you, yeah. I guess, and everyone talks about these like ten years, ten year mark. Like once you do that, if you're performing regularly during those ten years, of course, not like if you did yeah. one show ten years ago, but like if you perform regularly and kind of grow and develop, that it is like a point at which things change you kind of start knowing how to like handle the stage on the stage better what is your act how to always get in the zone and these kind of things plus yeah this challenge of the other comedians around you watching and and kind of absorbing different styles trying out different things i think that's what makes you the big fish regardless of the pond like small medium big uh well well speaking of of that like the 10 year mark was it i was watching an, an interview with steve martin it was, it was like a compilation interview where he was kind of talking about his his how people and i i didn't even realize it but i have seen videos and you're like wow he was that big steve martin was selling out stadiums at one point as a stand-up comedian like it was insane he was the biggest stand-up comedian at one point even though we don't think of him as that these days at all like we now think of him as a kind of you know quirky character actor sort of thing comedic actor and um but he was actually a huge set of comedian and 
he was explaining how he'd been doing it for 10 years. And when you see the early photos of him, he looks like a hippie. He's got a beard. He's got brown hair down to his shoulders. He's wearing jeans. He's got the paisley shirt with the brown leather jacket or something on top. The guy looks, he's actually quite the handsome hippie. And you're just like, okay. And he was doing the same stuff as everyone else. And then he realized that everyone was doing political edgy stuff. There was Carlin. There was all these prior. There was all these guys. No one was doing silly. And it was during the whole Vietnam War thing. And at 10 years of material, he flicked a switch through everything he'd like spent 10 years building and just went on this weird, silly comedy act, this this insane, psychotic, lost marble sort of character who was just weird. And he made catchphrases that even are used to this day, which we don't realize are from him. And it was it was very interesting to see. And and I saw his interview with uh, with what's his name, Jerry Seinfeld in Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, and it was yeah, it was talking about how having to change it up, like you're saying. Like, he was a sardine with all the other sardines. And then he did this experimental thing. He did something that was unique. He did something that was different. He did something that no one else was doing. And then he quit when he was at his peak because he felt there's a new change coming and my bit is going to be old. And then other people started coming out with these character types like his and these absurdist types and like Andrew Dice K and Sam Kinison and all these like shouty, yelly caricature types. And he was like, yeah, he did that, and he was like, yeah, I'm start, he started to see other people start doing similarish things. Their own style of it, and he didn't mind it. He thought they did it brilliantly, but he was just like, yeah, nah, it's not unique anymore. It's not, it's not the, the different one. So he just quit at his peak. And it was interesting, because I thought, yeah, that's professional development. And then he kind of went to something else. And what we're discussing now is like, you know, doing improv, doing that, looking at what other communities are doing. It's, it's kind of all a form of professional development within the comedic community. Yeah, I mean, it's one path, it's one way of doing it. There are like people who have done like comedy writing and acting, bef- like mm. Ricky Gervais before even ever doing stand up, mm. and then mm. only going into stand up and now being one of the biggest stand up acts in the world and like selling out tours and, and uh, specials, you know. So he's like a global superstar. And actually, people know him in the recent years even more for stand up than. I guess for yeah. his like TV work or anything that he was actually what he started with, and, and but not necessarily. There are also people who've only done stand up, always done stand up, and it's just pure stand up. It's just you know a guy with a microphone, and and everyone like dabbles with like TV. You know, Louis C.K. had his TV show. Jim Jeffries has his like uh, satirical news or whatever thing. Trevor Noah was hosting the the late night or whatever it was, the, the one of the shows and stuff. You know, they all try different things, but mm-hmm. Bill Burr is acting and, and stuff like that. But but still, if you if you look at kind of what they do regularly and kind of what they do most yeah. is is just a guy with a microphone stand up. So they don't do like they don't go too far into other like genres or types of comedy or anything so there is that there is obviously that route that path but uh yeah i can't say that i haven't like learned more while acting and they are now better stand-up acts because of their acting gigs and things like that especially writing gigs like gervais and, and whatnot so yeah i think like any opportunity to become a bigger fish in whatever pond you're in is a great opportunity and like try take it and if anything you can always 
change the pond you know like uh, always go for maybe not bigger just a different pond like if you have used up everything in one pond go to a different one and that can be a like location that can be a genre that can be you know anything uh type of venue you perform in just you can be a like still stand up but be like a double act i don't know like two guys on the stage with with micro like the twins that's what are that's they something the, yeah that's something that's uh, i haven't seen that we haven't done here in, in our scene in the local scene here something i've thought about once or twice is like getting up on stage with someone else i just don't know who and, and the act between the two like you know how to set it up but it could be a fun thing we, we tried once we tried a double ho- like two hosts but uh not uh, not like one host one half second one host another half yeah. but like two hosts on stage because we were like oh they can banter and kind of you know mm-hmm. bounce off of each other and it was absolutely horrible maybe it was horrible okay. also because neither of these guys were good hosts so they were just mm-hmm. trying to overshadow each other and it was more like awkward and cringing and it was funny but yeah, yeah it wasn't really that it didn't really work but it can it can in theory it can work i guess but yeah oh. i would i would just say no, no matter the pond no matter the fish size just uh try to try to be the bigger fish okay i think that's a good point to end it you reckon yeah sure so thank you so much for listening to the comedy kiosk if you want to support us and help us grow and do more of these episodes more often travel more perform more uh, invest something maybe in promo of this podcast as well you can donate on our patreon or you can just follow and like us and share us on social media facebook twitter instagram everything we have anywhere you find us or just send a link to a friend that you think would enjoy this podcast thank you for listening i've been igor monday i've been david minos and goodbye ciao